1: Out of the gates and ready to go, the Wednesday edition upon us for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network Cutting with Row here. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody with IHOP beer and old smoky moonshine. Bobby Carpenter joins us to talk all things college football. Big Ten, new commissioner, the former Big Ten football player at Ohio State, former Dallas Cowboy. He'll be with us to chat all things Big Ten. That's at 20 minutes. Chad, we have Colt Nose back on the show today. CBS Sports Golf Analyst, co-host of the Subpar Podcast. He was in Augusta, a part of the CBS online coverage. We'll get his take and reaction to everything that happened at the Masters with John Rahm's win and guns. Mike Gunzelman in studio later today in hour number three. Chad, good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, Hutton. Big day on the show. Great guest list. We're going to go a little bit of
1: everywhere, which I enjoy on a Wednesday. We're streaming live at uh, YouTube. You can join us by subscribing to the OutKick channel and the digital space. That is the direction everyone's headed. And Chad, that's the signal that the Big Ten gives to everyone by their hire of Tony Patetti who is the new commissioner of the Big Ten. We've talked about this for the last couple of months. The hire for the Big Ten, pairing that person with Greg Sankey is the future of college sports. They're going to lead the direction that everyone will follow. And the direction that the Big Ten decided to take is a a similar one to Kevin Warren, a behind-the-scenes person uh, in the sports world. And in this case, You have the guy who succeeded, Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball, as the COO when Manfred became the commissioner in 2015. Prior to that, he was brought on board by Major League Baseball to start MLB Network. That has turned into MLB.tv, which is a massive success. And then you have, uh, prior to that, his experience with CBS. Makes a lot of sense.
2: I've long asked the question, when will one of these conferences just simply turn to a TV person? because it's all about the TV money and the TV revenue, and that's essentially what the Big Ten has done by hiring Tony Patetti, because that's what he did as COO. When you look at the job description with Major League Baseball, it was overseeing digital and everything with that, but it's also overseeing every single television contract with the league and with affiliate teams. So that was a part of his job description. So I read that and think, who else would be better than to lead a conference into the next era of whatever is happening with television rights, with a complicated television deal coming for the Big Ten and all the digital rights and everything else going on, the streaming wars that are happening right now. Then a guy who's done it for a league, he's done it at the network level also. An extremely varied resume for Patetti. I I like this move for the Big Ten. wasn't someone I, I initially thought about, but... I was thinking straight pluck from TV. This is someone who's worked in TV, then worked on a league side with television networks. So that resume, I think, bodes well, well for and, what the Big Ten needs.
1: And also, I mean, he's he's he was involved in eSports for a bit. For a year. Uh, the 33rd team online, uh, he's involved in that website. And he was also, uh, when I say involved, he's backing it. He's running it. And then also uh, he was, he is, remains on the board for the USGA currently. So a a lot of different, uh, he has stokes, he stokes the fire in a lot of different areas of the sports media world. And for a conference that really doesn't, I mean, when I say doesn't have something in front of them, they don't have the TV deal that they have to negotiate. They're adding USC and UCLA. So the horizon is this space. And where they're going to take it is clearly at the direction of Patati.
2: We've seen it all change over the years. For years and years, the the athletic director at a college would be a former coach, a beloved coach that would move on to the athletic director seat when they were retired from coaching or whatever the case may be. That role has now moved into more of a business development person, fundraiser many times in that role as athletic director. The former great ADs would move on to be a conference commissioner somewhere, And now that has moved away from having anything to do with academia, doesn't matter if you were a school president or an athletic director, (laughs) into just simply hiring someone who is a media business professional with all of these jobs. The number one trait you must possess is great leadership. And that could come in any walk of business or life to hire to lead a, a conference. But the other biggest part of this is being savvy when it comes to TV deals media rights, and everything that's to come. Having an eye on the future of what's happening and being able to build a team around you that can also look at the climate and see which way the wind is blowing. That's the biggest part now of college sports, and the Big Ten is going in that direction. I think every conference, when they have a decision to make on a new commissioner, they're probably going to go in a similar direction. You look at Brett Yormark with the Big 12 and where he comes from Rock Nation. Then George Klievkoff comes from a casino. And before that, television and different media rights packages. So this is the direction everything is headed. So this doesn't really surprise me when you look at it that way.
1: Any coincidence that he was, was with CBS? No. And now CBS is Big Ten football?
2: Not at all. And, and I, I don't think it's it's just because they have the rights oh, to the Big Ten. I think that's a part of it. The but
1: relationship I, aspect of that, though, I, I is think
2: key. I think any... Any network experience would have been good. I think what puts it over the top with this is when your big media partner, you can go to them and they can give you a recommendation and say, hey, this guy would be really good for the job. That certainly helps get, land a, a position like that.
1: Chad, one of the best stories right now in sports, the Tampa Bay Rays, 11-0 and start. And to put into perspective uh, where we are in the season and the start that they've had, only six other teams, clubs, have gotten off to the same type of start that we've seen from Tampa Bay. Only one of those went on to win the World Series that year. That was the Dodgers. They were the only ones to do it. But all that to say, we're a long way from October. But I'm appreciating what they're doing when you look at the numbers, the dominance of how they're winning games. These games are not close. They've hit 29 home runs in these 11 games, outscoring opponents by a combined 83 to 20, and they've trailed only twice throughout this win streak to begin the season. And maybe the craziest stat, the Rays are the first team, first team since 1884 with a run differential of more than 50 to begin. The record is 13 straight to begin a season. We've seen that twice. Both happened in the eighties and they've got another matchup against the Red Sox, but I mean, they, they do not back down and if to catch them, you have to catch them on the scoreboard. It was 5 nothing by the third, I believe, last night. I just looked against it up. Rays minus 125
2: against Boston. 640 Eastern time first pitch tonight. It's a national story to watch to see if they can keep winning Yeah. at this point. Uh, some other numbers. 1987, Milwaukee Brewers got off to a 13-0 start. 1982, Atlanta Braves got off to a 13-0 start. They're two away from that. And they're tied for the most home runs ever hit through 11 games with the 2000 Cardinals. And here's the craziest part about it. They won back-to-back games in this stretch one to nothing. Yeah. So when you think Rays, you think crafty pitching and developing great starting pitching and being inventive with how they do bullpen rotations and having a deep bullpen. And then you've got a team that's tied for the best ever start in home runs. This team's incredible. And it's a story to follow until they drop a game. I'll, I'll be
1: not tuning in and watching the whole game, I'll be following that score tonight to see if they can get to 12-0. Same. 1884 to 2023, though. I mean, we're seeing something that only happens once a century. And that's the beauty of, of the sport, really, as you can go back and see something that's only happened once, and it was in the late 1800s. Uh, for the sport itself, with the run differential of more than 50 to this point. In
2: 1884, they were not thinking about digital rights the way the Big Ten is thinking about digital rights right now. They
1: were reconstructing.
2: They were reconstructing, but a very different (laughs) way. They they weren't thinking about where the Major League Baseball product was going to go in the streaming wars and where people could watch online. They had other things to worry about.
1: Chad, uh, the league also worried about Shohei Otani because he's doing something we haven't seen since Nolan Ryan. Ten starts now in a row, allowing two, or, uh, two runs or less in those starts for earned runs. Phenomenal job. And on top of that, he's doing, doing it at the plate too. But uh, he's, he's doing something we haven't seen since one of the legends did it. If he drops one or the other, if he drops the hitting or the
2: pitching, let's say that Shohei Otani plays till he's 45. You know, He just continues to play for a long time. And at some point, he can't do both. What does he continue doing longer?
1: I'm, I'm guessing pitching. it's
2: the – with the DH, though, I mean, it could be the – I think th- the hitting is less taxing pitching, probably. He's,
1: if he's just pitching, it's once every five days.
2: Yeah. That's why I asked the question. I don't know. I don't know what will last longer with him, or maybe he just plays till he's 45 and does both the entire time. Everything else about this guy is completely unique. He is a total unicorn in baseball, and we haven't seen anything like it before. I, I don't know that we're anywhere close to – seeing anything else
1: like him in the near future. It's amazing. No surprise. Uh, we mentioned this yesterday. Beer sales, they're being extended at parks across uh, the country. Not all of them yet, but they're, they're coming. Uh, all the parks will follow suit because they're <laughs> losing money at the beer stand because they've sped up the game in the ballpark for the benefit of everyone sitting at home watching these games at night. They're now 30 minutes faster and so that translates to a loss of two hundred eighty thousand dollars to maybe over a million in lost beer sales throughout the season depending on the stadium and of of course the attendance so you've got the brewers the twins the diamondbacks and the rangers they've already extended that beer sales deadline from the seventh to the eighth inning and we'll see that every team will eventually do this
2: i love that the brewers were one of the first to do this of all the teams to extend Beer sales, it had to be the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, there was also dollar hot dog night in Philly last night. I don't know if you saw this. They had a running count on the scoreboards of hot dogs sold. They were over <laughs> 33,000 hot dogs sold by the third inning of this game. People were showing it was a 45- to 50-minute wait in certain spots to get dollar hot dogs. And I think they capped it at a $5 limit at a time. You could get five hot dogs. So there's another way to uh, – Maybe increase ticket sales
1: while not increasing so, money at the concession, but this is a way to get more money concessions. They, the average is a forty cents to create a hot dog that includes the bun and condiments for a for a concession stand,
2: and they sell for you know seven dollars
1: normally. Yeah, and now it's a dollar oh, for a dollar on hot that. dog night. Yeah, it's it, like it's a crazy. T-shirt at a concert.
2: It's crazy. the The beer sales thing, I, I can't wait until so Major League Baseball at some point they're going to have some sort of press release about revenue, ratings, things that have been improved by their rules changes. Mm -hmm. If they don't, that's not a good thing for baseball. But if they come back and say, hey, games are 30 minutes less, but we're still making more in concessions, ticket sales are up, TV revenue and and local markets are up, Uh, all these different things, or TV ratings are up. That's good news for rules changes sticking around for the, for the long term. If not, maybe, maybe not. I, I hope it sticks because I enjoy the games moving at a faster pace right now. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, so far uh, complaints from fans, minimal. Uh, if they're complaining, they're complaining about how bad their teams are. You know, the slow start that the, the teams with the big payrolls are expected to, yep. you know, start winning. And it's been slow out of the gates for, for some, um, Chad, D'Amico Ryan's new head coach of the Houston Texans says, well, there's not much pressure. There shouldn't be pressure on whoever's selected at number two overall for the Houston Texans. The quote, it's exciting for us to have the number two pick, but at the same time, there is no pressure where a young man is picked. Like, it's unfair to ask a guy just because you're picked number two overall, you have to come in and you're the face of our franchise and you're the leader. That's unfair to the guy. I'm not going to put that type of weight on the shoulders of whoever that is if we pick. That's not what we're anticipating. That's not what we're expecting them to do. Um, This coming from a leader in a locker room, a very respected player across the NFL during his days and a respected coach now, uh, even as a position coaching coordinator. Um, But C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, they're absolutely the leader of that locker room. Upon entering, upon putting the hat on, for the number two overall selection for the Houston Texans on April 27th.
2: Maybe he tipped his hand a little bit when he said where a young man is selected in the draft. I'm thinking, oh, that maybe he's saying, you know, Bryce Young. Oh, he's saying it's not going to be Hendon Hooker. Yeah, so you mean <laughs> Will Levis is out, right? Uh, not not going to be him. Obviously, he's the face of the franchise. I I, I have no problem with what D'Amico Ryan's is saying here. Everyone knows that you take quarterback number two overall. They are the chosen one. They're the ones that's going to lead your franchise out of the darkness and into the light. You don't need the head coach. I and mean, I don't think it matters one way or the other, personally. If you pick the right guy, they're not going to be affected by D'Amico Ryans. Even if he said in a, with a question, oh, he's absolutely going to be the face of the franchise and we're going to rest a lot of hope on that guy and put a lot of trust in him. If you pick the right guy, that's not going to affect that person negatively. Right. But I also understand D'Amico Ryans is saying he's a rookie, He's going to come in here. He's going to earn a spot. We're obviously – we think highly of the player if we're drafting him second. We definitely think highly of them if we draft a quarterback second overall. That goes without saying. So I get the gist of we don't have to put any added pressure on him because the pressure is already immense for the number two overall pick that's coming into a rebuilding franchise Mm -hmm. and is going to be expected to start from day one for a team – we all understand that pressure. D'Amico Ryans doesn't have to say it for everyone else and paint it, you know, not even paint it, draw it down in crayon for everyone to see.
1: Yeah, and, and, and picking apart the quote, look, he knows as well as every coach and player in the league. The top quality that you want, it's not like the, oh, what, what's the, the IQ score and all these different intangibles? Can the dude ball? Can he play? And at the quarterback position, is he a leader? Is he going to exemplify everything we're about as an organization? You don't draft that dude number two if it's not that guy. That's a, a, a prerequisite for even being on, on the board with the opportunity to be selected. If you miss that, Chad, he's not going to be there very long. And he knows that, that, he, that. And I'm talking about Ryan's. He's brought in. He's not going to bring some beta into no. the locker room with the first pick that he's going to have as a head coach.
2: No, but I, I, there are questions about all these guys.
1: Yeah, there's not a Joe Burrow-esque quality. No, there's not quality. There's
2: not someone, you know, I, we, can, we can poke holes in everyone. Except, in my opinion, for Bryce Young. He can ball out. He's got the leadership intangibles. But everything on and off the field is perfection. Right. I think with Bryce Young, he's the best natural thrower and has the most arm talent of anyone in this draft. He's 5'9", 175 pounds. And the moment he gets hit hard and suffers any type of injury, everyone is going to say, see, told you so. Too small to take the beating in the NFL and, and can't get it done. I, I, I still believe he's the best quarterback in this draft. I, I would take him number one overall. But I understand the thinking. Pete Prisco brought it up with us yesterday on the, on the program. Hey, He's tiny. I mean, he is a slight guy. It's not just that he's short. You're right. He's not Russell Wilson stocky. He's he's a – Kyler Murray even is, a, is, is stocky compared to, to, to Bryce Young. So I do understand the questions about his size. I don't think there's any questioning his ability as a
1: quarterback. It's just the size that's an issue. And not only that, Chad, the number one – it sounds like two teams would love to take him number one. Yeah. Carolina – and then Houston. It sounds like Houston really wants young. They, they want to go young and they want to draft Bryce young. But C.J. Stroud, it, he's, the, he's in that same category, right? And in, in the NFL, if we're going to talk about talent around them, I mean, uh, compared to what he had at Ohio State, they're like, oh, of course you're going to pitch these layups. In the NFL, if the Texans are doing this right, they're drafting 12th. They should pair him up with the, one of the receivers where they know exactly exactly. Uh, the same page and the same offense and the same mindset
2: Well, and, and look, moving our, forward with the franchise. Our next guest coming up knows a lot about C.J. Stroud and can talk about him. My knock on C.J. Stroud is he's not a guy who's going to elevate and, and be a, a – I'm not saying there's magicians all over the league that can just pull a miracle and a rabbit out of the hat. Yeah. Bryce Young may be one of those guys. He's a guy who's going to win you a couple of games on moxie on ability to, to escape pressure and make things happen randomly over the course of a game and make the huge play that alters and the Stroud's game entirely not all that much CJ Stroud just is he's a guy who's very accurate can throw the ball really well he's got good anticipation when he th- sees the play mm-hmm. pre-snap he's not some miracle worker when things break down if he's on time and on script and everything is right, and he's got good teammates around him, he could have an MVP season in the, in the NFL. He could be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's not a guy who individually, though, to me, is going to elevate a franchise beyond what they have around them. Bryce Young may be able to do that. He may be
1: that type of special player. He may have well, that sort of innate ability that we saw with Joe Burrow. When I think of Bryce Young, I think of the game this past season in Knoxville and that performance that he had, it was a loss, but the performance, I mean, it was, it was his best game.
2: He had an answer to and everything.
1: Stroud in the college football playoff had that same type of vibe and play. In a loss, yeah. In a loss, yeah. But against Georgia, I mean, that, that was a, a, a great performance. The recency bias, but that's what I think about when I think of C.J. Stroud currently. a primary complaint coming up in about 20 minutes or so. Hot mic rolls on across the Outkick Network. Bobby Carpenter about to join us momentarily. We'll dive into the new Big Ten Commissioner and get his thoughts on what Tony Patetti is is tasked with now. Because he picks up where Kevin Warren left off and while he didn't handle the COVID season great, man, he has set them up for a big cash flow moving forward. It's tough to argue with
2: the contract that he just signed. I mean, there are haves and have-nots in college sports, and the halves are in two categories, Big Ten and SEC. And then there's everyone else, and Kevin Warren was 50% of the halves. It's him and Greg Sankey. They were controlling college sports, and now a new guy gets to con- help control college sports and the future of it with a new Big Ten commissioner.
1: Congrats on your win last night with the bets for NBA. Thank you very much.
2: Um, my NBA viewing continues for another night. So congrats to the NBA. They kept my attention for one night well, because I won my bets, or should I say the NBA players
1: won my bets last night. Then I'll go back again tonight and watch again. Well, let me ask from this perspective. Are you watching because it's the one game postseason for them where it sets up the seed? Or do you, w- would you be watching a game one of an early series the same way? Probably about the same. I mean, I'm
2: only gonna bet on the NBA when the playoffs get here. Yeah. So it just happened to be the play-in tournament was the first playoff game that was taking place. So I bet on it. So it's it's twofold. And we, and we did it I, I in jest, really, because I bet on it and I watched simply because
1: it's playoffs. Hawks and Lakers, uh, they win their respective play-in games, so they advance uh, to set up where we're headed with all this. The uh, the Warriors are an interesting. Uh, storyline too, Chad, because they're the sixth seed. They were 29-29 and 29 at the All-Star break. And they've clawed their way back in. They're healthy. And they're now taking on a Kings franchise. The Sacramento Kings are the three seed. They're the underdog. The, the Warriors have been awful on the road all season, due, due in part to the health status of their roster. But point being, this is a Kings franchise that hasn't... They have just snapped a 16-year skid for the postseason, and they're facing the Warriors it was as the a reward. In sports. <laughs> they're facing the Golden State Warriors as the reward, who just so happened to slot in the sixth spot to take on the Kings. It's been a long time since uh, we've seen the Kings in the postseason. It's been a been a while since Chris Webber and Mike Bibby and Vladi Divak are you know in that locker room. It also makes me a little bit mad. Jimmy Butler's
2: comments, you know, the Heat go from number one seed in the East to play-in game. And everyone is just so dismissive about the regular season. Yeah. It's just the point now where we don't care. We're in the playoffs. It's all that matters. I mean, you you can say it's a new season and we have new hope now while also acknowledging, hey, that regular season was a disappointment for us. A lot of the Warriors players are seeing a different tune than Steve Kerr, too. It's, a, well, we've won multiple rings. We know how to do this. We're in the dance now. It's all that matters. It doesn't matter that we're going on the road first or that we're the sixth seed. I think if you're such a champion, you could be a champion in the regular season as well. You don't have to mail it in and just get in however you want to get in and then say, well, now the season starts. I just So much goes towards devaluing all regular season in the NBA that it makes me mad. Even the post-regular season pre-playoff talk, I'm thinking if I'm a fan
1: and I'm in, why am I invested in the regular season if these guys don't even care? Well, and that's something that they have to figure out. And they're trying to figure that out with the new CBA that was just signed, the extension of the, the collective bargaining agreement between the NBA Players Association and the league. But so one of the things is like when it comes to, let's see, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved, Rookie of the Year, All-NBA Team, all of those things that factor into uh, accolades, rewards, uh, bonuses, a player must appear in at least 65 of the 82 regular season games in order to even qualify to win that. So 65 games in a regular season of the 82 doesn't sound like it should be hard to handle, but, I mean, appear in sounds a lot like we saw with Luka Doncic and what we saw from uh, the Mavs who bowed out, waved the white flag, sat players, announced to the league and the fan bases they were going to do it. And then with Luka Doncic, they played him for a quarter and then sat him too. Uh, this is the, the world we're living in where the analytics and the organizations are looking at the numbers and saying, hey, we need to rest these guys. If it really comes down to load management, it needs to be about the length of the season. If that's the issue, then we don't need 82 games. And if it's not the issue, then get back to what it was, which was the star players are on the court when healthy for their team. That's what they've gotten away from. It's a individual player led league where in its heyday, it was a individual player led league that cared about the team itself and to your point, I think the care about the team aspect happens right now for many right now when it comes to truly going all out for the championship. Because if you don't make the postseason, they're done. And in some cases, the owner doesn't even want you to make the postseason. Mark Cuban told his fan base that.
2: You also had the situation where you know Draymond Green is one of the players I'm talking about who said, we, we won an NBA record amount of games one year and lost in game seven of the finals and no one remembers that season because we didn't win it all that year. So it doesn't really matter what happens in the regular season. And I just, I can't buy that because these are the best players in the world. They also are supposed to be the best competitors and biggest competitors in the world. And you can't tell me that an 82 game regular season is just a throwaway if you can get in the top eight and give yourself a chance. I'm I'm not going to buy that. I think that is a very dismissive way of almost being having a defense mechanism yeah. to account for regular season failure. To just say, well, doesn't matter. It can matter, and it can matter less now that it's over and you're in the playoffs. Both things can be true. So there's nothing wrong with coming into it and saying, up and down season, disappointing. If you're the Heat, Jimmy Butler, as an example, went from a number one seed to barely in the play in disappointing regular season got us here, but hey, we're here. Now's a chance to turn everything around and go on a run and make up for a largely disappointing regular season. But everyone's so afraid just to admit that it was disappointing. Just say it. Everyone saw it. You don't have to hide from it. Just come out and say, we were bad. The Warriors, we're terrible on the road. Terrible. That's a part of what this team is. We're going to have to do better in the playoffs if we're going to go on a run the way we think we should, I don't understand why players are so reluctant to admit that. It's like everyone has their defenses up so much now because of what they read on social media yeah. or what they think shows like ours are saying about their league that they can't admit any fault. And that bothers me. If you admit more fault and admit what you need to do moving forward, more people will have respect for you for doing doing such instead of where we are now.
1: Chad, another interesting aspect of the CBA for the NBA we haven't touched on, they, players can now, they are allowed to invest in NBA and WNBA teams. That's something we have not seen. And I can't help but think of LeBron James because he's in a different stratosphere as a billionaire compared to what these other players, they're making great money, but they're not making ownership, stake money um, for the NBA, I should say. Because if you've got a 1% stake in the Phoenix Suns. You need 40 to $80 million to purchase a 1% stake based on their recent sale of 40, or excuse me, not 40, 4 billion. So there's only a small handful of players that'll have that opportunity. But in the WNBA, I think we could see more of that. And I couldn't help but think about LeBron James in Vegas whenever I saw this was included in CBA. Yeah. And I'm... Bronny James coming to the league. And he is he he is out front saying, I want that team. He can be the he can be the next MJ of ownership. And it sounds like Jordan's trying to sell the Hornets, but he can he can be in that he can be on that business shelf. But do we first see him buy into a stake of the franchise and then finish off things with his son before he retires? I completely understand
2: LeBron's motivation if he wants to. I mean, he stated that a team in Las Vegas would interest him, right? No, he he, he put his flag down and said, that I want – Yeah, he wants it. Yeah. I'm saying, he, yeah, he stated this is my intention yeah. and what I want to do. When he formed the big three in Miami and that happened, there was blowback from everyone, especially the old guard in the NBA, Charles Barkley included, saying you wanted to beat the hell out of your rival, not join them, and go win championships. That That's the way it was. Um, even though later in his career, Barkley kind of did the same in yeah. Houston, right? Didn't work, though, for him. But if this happens, if LeBron James can pull off some sort of switcheroo where he plays with his son and gets ownership stake in Vegas, it just it feels very WWE sports entertainment to me. Like the NBA, to me, starts to turn more and more to, are we just scripting this now? Well, it Is take, Vince McMahon behind this, this, the scenes
1: and doing this to make sure everything take, happens this way? I'm saying I think he finishes his career playing with his son. I do. I don't know if it's in Vegas because I don't know if it happens that fast. It could. But I do, I do think that we could see Bronny James playing for a LeBron James-owned team. And in this case, LeBron James can buy in a percentage stake of the Lakers if he wanted to currently. It feels like the plot to, like, a Disney movie that would never
2: happen. And what I haven't seen? Former player gets stake in team and then brings on son to star for the team. It just It Again, I, I, I totally understand why LeBron James would want to do this. And if he can pull it off, more power to the guy. It just feels fake to me. It feels weird. It doesn't
1: feel like reality. But if it is reality for LeBron James kudos to lebron james and that he's not back i mean the the numbers he still puts up everyone points to how long he's been in the league but man he continues to dominate and and lead teams just when you think he's he's trying to look at when and project when he's going to be done it may not be when we all think it is you know we're headed down this next brady path i'm watching overtime last night with lakers and t wolves and he gets a
2: By the way, the whole no walking thing, I haven't watched a lot of NBA this year, has gotten far worse. The Timberwolves had a big steal, and Anthony Edwards caught a pass from Conley, middle of the lane, caught it, jumped like a bunny hop twice before putting a dribble down, never even dribbled, and then passed it out to the corner at one point. I'm thinking, (laughs) we're just not dribbling now? But LeBron James got a rebound at one point, tucked it like a football, and took off down the court. And um, while he traveled and they didn't call it, it was quite impressive to see how fast. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, it's all relative, (laughs) right? I know. What is traveling in the NBA? He got it, tucked it, took two steps, then dribbled, but he was fast out of the gates. And I'm watching that thinking, this guy is getting up there. Think of the minutes he's played over the course of his career. Yeah, and it looked for a split second like 2007 LeBron James in Cleveland, leading Cleveland with no one around him, with Anderson Varejao <laughs> as his as his Robin to his Batman, with no one around him, no supporting cast, leading that team to the NBA Finals. That's what it looked like for a second, and you can't help but admire the guy's greatness as a player. It's
1: it's unbelievable. What I haven't seen with the details of the CBA because they they've now they've tried to meet the the wealthy owners that don't want to spend above the luxury tax, they've tried to meet those guys with the, the owners that do want to spend above the luxury tax with different tiers of the tax. If you go above a certain right. threshold, you can only offer veterans uh, a certain amount of, of money. You can't offer the max contract. And I know Draymond was upset about that. But I, what I don't know, Chad, is can you, as a part of a contract, give a player half a percent ownership in this. I, I don't know. Um, you can't do that in any league, uh, any major league we're talking about, with Major League Baseball, with but, NFL for sure. But you bring up a great point. If any one league would be where it's possible... They've just
2: opened the door. It would be the NBA. Yeah. They'd make it happen because the, I mean, the NBA and MLB, players have a ton of control and have very strong unions and they, they get a lot of what they want. So I, I can buy it moving forward. Coming up,
1: primary complaints. It's next on Hot Mic. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hot mic rolls on. You can join us each and every day. Three o'clock Eastern is our start time. Three to six each afternoon. Join us at OutKick.com and on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel there. We'll hit the NBA playoff headlines. We've got plenty to discuss in the world of golf with Colt Nost, who will join us in hour number two. That's coming up in about 35 minutes or so. And uh, Chad, we welcome everyone to join us in the chat on YouTube.
2: Join me over there. I am uh, conversing daily inside the chat. It's been very active lately. So hit us up on YouTube. I'll try to get back to as many questions people ask as possible. And. I hope some people in the chat will at least somewhat understand my primary complaint that's coming up.
1: Yeah, and each and every Wednesday at this time, we do exactly that. It is time for Primary Complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so
2: unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for a Hot Mike's Primary Complaint.
1: Guys, my primary complaint this week. Well, I'm not complaining about this. It did take way too long. It's been over, but now it's officially not not a national emergency any longer. COVID officially ended, signed by our president yesterday. But that was yesterday, April 11th. But on March 18th, Novak Djokovic could not play in the Miami Open. And currently, non-vaccinated, non-Americans cannot enter the country as of right now in this madness, allow him to play. It is time to even stop thinking about giving exemptions and just open it up like we've all been doing anyway. That's my primary complaint.
2: Weird how suddenly this isn't being xenophobic and hateful when you're blocking people from other countries that come in that don't get a vaccination. Crazy, crazy how that works and how it's covered. Um, Look, I'm not going to name the name of this place because I still hold out hope that one day, maybe one day, We can have a fast food place sponsor this show or anything sponsor this show. So I will not out the company I'm talking about right now. But I will just say that I recently had some chicken tenders from a place known for chicken tenders. And they're also known for a great sauce. And the only thing recognizable about this meal that I had was the sauce. Because the chicken Mm. tenders didn't look, didn't feel, didn't taste like any of the chicken tenders I've ever had from this well-known chicken tender place. They were about not even half the size, maybe a quarter the size, of what the chicken tenders looked like when I started frequenting this place for their chicken tenders. Fast food, if anything, needs to be consistent and predictable. I'm not going because it's going to make me feel better or give me a health kick. I'm going because the food tastes good And I'm familiar with the taste. And if I get a craving for it after coaching softball one night, and I want to take my daughter through the drive-thru there, it's because I want to go back to that familiar place where I know exactly what I'm going to get. And for whatever reason, even fast food in America has become wildly inconsistent. And I can't expect what I'm going to get every time because every time it's different. And I hate this. Please change it. Go back to bigger tenders. At least give me the same thing every time, so I get that sweet release of knowing what I'm going to consume. Please and thank you. That is my primary complaint.
0: Guys, my primary complaint revolves around sending physical mail. I feel like we've evolved as 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 a society to where we shouldn't have to deal with this anymore. It's like you got email that works just fine. I mean, there's so much that it takes to you got to get the envelope. You got to get the document, the paper. It, sometimes you even have to phys- physically write stuff out. Like if, if you're thinking like a letter, uh, it, it, we've just gotten to the point to where we can just get past this. When it comes to stamps, I don't know, is it 20 cents, $20? Where do you even get stamps? I, I know you can stand in line at the post office. Can you even order those online? And I know a lot of people are thinking like, this guy should know this, but I, I guarantee you 65% of millennials listening to this and probably 100% of Gen Z's like, this guy's spot on right now. I, I even forgot you could just like, Put the mail in your own mailbox and put the flag up. Like I mean, it's just we've gotten to that point to where we've just pretty much phased this out of normal everyday life.
2: I feel like we're having deja vu that we've talked about stamps before in primary complaint. Or am I making that up?
1: Over the 12 years you and I have done a show, I'm yes. sure
2: we've talked about stamps before, but I feel like we've talked about stamps in the studio also.
1: Maybe, Maybe I had so. a
2: dream about discussing stamps.
1: You can get stamps at one just point. at a grocery, at uh, any store. Just ask them. I, I it, they lift up the register and they're right there. They, they never, treat them like gold blocks.
2: I'm never looking for a, uh, a package to come in. Yet every day I come home, my wife has some package being delivered for one of the kids or for herself. In the
1: mail or like, like Amazon?
2: Amazon deliveries, but also in the mail. Like she's looking for stuff in the mail from her family or somewhere else. I, I, I can't say the last time I checked a mailbox mm. other than Because I was told or asked to check the mailbox for something coming in, I don't. I never randomly go and look in my mailbox. Family will be out of town. I don't look in the mailbox. It'll be overflowing because I don't even think to look in the mailbox. But the the
1: mail carriers that I see or pass, um, or I'm stuck behind, they. I mean, they are chock full. They're busy. Mail. Yeah, and a lot of it's just junk, like spam. You know,
2: but it's keeping the mail business alive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, U.S. Mail is around because of uh, coupons
1: being sent to people. I didn't ask for them. I I, I know you order chicken tenders. I'm not sure you had chicken tenders. If you say they didn't taste like chicken tenders. Well, again, not going
2: to name the name of the place, but these tenders come in three, five, or seven on the meal. And I usually would go with five, and I I immediately got it. I'm like, I should have gone with seven, because these five (laughs) equaled about two of the original chicken tenders that this place once served. The sauce stays the same when you get the the sauce packet that I enjoy from this chicken (laughs) tender place that I'm not going to name. But everything else was different. The the fries, I guess, were sort of similar. But I remember reading Tony Dungy's book at one point, and he talked about coaching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he equated it to – I will use the name of this place because I'm not going to trash it. He equated it to his kids loving McDonald's and said that his kids love McDonald's because whether you're in Tampa, Florida, or Minneapolis, Minnesota – if you go through a drive through at McDonald's, you can expect consistency. You know what you're going to get. It all tastes the same. It is the same. And he talked about his team needing to be consistent, that when you play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the time, they need to know what they're going to get in terms of effort and how the team's going to play. And that analogy always stuck with me, and I thought, that is the comforting thing about fast food is at least you go to a place in one city or another on the interstate somewhere, you get off the exit and go there, you typically know what to expect, Until 2023, where this isn't the only place, I feel like I go to different ones, and it can be completely different, and I hate that.
1: Well, that and then like you know, some places had I I feel like had good fries, and they just changed them.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's true. They change it up, but that's a that's a business decision to change the recipe or do whatever they're doing
1: for that reason. But like, uh, what fast food item would you say is is just so consistent that it's never changing? The burger. Like a burger's. I would say maybe, but places have
2: changed their fries. Lots, th- I'm trying to think of. I like- think of like McDonald's fries as being yeah.
1: consistent over the years. Yeah, that's what you come to expect. Right. And then meanwhile, they're cutting the tender in half and calling it two. Well, the tender industry's really taking a hit. Now, I've, I've noticed
2: this over the years. E- any place, it's really hard to find like the full tender you would get back in the day. Back in our childhood, Hutton, like in such an if you got chicken tenders, just... they're huge. And now right. it's minuscule compared to what they once were. But when you get a tiny tender, it changes the entire experience and taste. It's a nugget. Yeah, the tender taste there, it's tougher. Like a thick, juicy tender tastes better than these small burnt crisp ones that they're, they're handing you now. It's terrible.
0: I know people are actually losing money if they're selling wings. So, like, if you go to a, a wing spot, they'll actually try to push you to other things on the menu. Wow. What is, uh, it, Hutton, the chicken business.
2: Who <laughs> Who knew?
1: Maybe that's why they do is shining a flashlight at his neighbor's chickens. Yeah,
2: he's causing the global shortage. Chad, that's leading to these small tenders.
1: Chad, we found out where they went. Chinese Chad men scaring
2: chickens to death. It's affecting my experience. Of Headlines tenders.
1: including the guy we need in the NBA, but we really don't want. That's next. Mm-hmm.